0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. G'day, and welcome to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. Today we are talking about some pods. And no, I don't mean podcasts, we're talking points of difference. Let's go. And welcome again to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey. You can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy and joined once again with my mate Luke. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm
1: good. I um actually I realised the other day you always asked me how I am, but I'd never get a chance to see how you're oh, going. Mate, so, h-
0: how are you going? I'm doing very well. I'm doing real yeah, well. No, we're, we're getting closer to the season to starting we and uh, we're getting some more news coming up, some more, lots of track watching uh, going on at the moment. So, yeah, it's uh, it's getting close and it feels a bit more real. Um, so lots of exciting things for us to talk about on the podcast today. Definitely um, breaking into some points of difference. Now, I've said before on the podcast before that one of the rules is that uh, well, not rule I guess, but the, the things that some people can get carried away with is the ownership numbers, yep. especially in the preseason. Um, so I'm always I, I want to. Put a little asterisk next to this podcast by saying that points of difference are great and if you could pick someone that are lowly owned and they, they really go off, it can set you up to a great season. But we're not always looking for a point of difference just for the sake of them pointing, being a point of difference. So the guys that we're going to talk about today, we've got 15 players that we're going to discuss. Yep. Um, I think that all of them have a legitimate uh, reasoning to be a new side regardless of their ownership percentage. But these guys just happen to be lowly owned. Uh, we cut off at 10%, so all these guys are under 10% owned yep. as of the 4th of February. Yep. So, uh, yeah, just keep that in mind that... Um, you know, there might be some that we haven't left off this list, but that's because we don't necessarily believe in them as an actual pick, and just because they are lowly owned doesn't mean that I think you should be going and looking for them.
1: Yeah, and just to add to that point as well, Mitch, we're going to talk about 15 players, but please, please, please don't go and select all 15 oh. players in your team. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, And some of these, you guys have kind of get a bit of a, a gauge on our tone as well, but um, some of these players we're very, very keen on, and some of these players we're just going to talk about because we've definitely seen their names yeah. out there as well. So
0: Yeah, so, you know, I think you only really need, I mean, you don't probably need Need any to be honest, but like yeah, I think like I said, don't pick someone just because they're they're lowly owned. Yep. But sometimes it can be a nice bonus uh, to start the season with. So definitely starting, uh, we're gonna start from the most owned, work our way down to the uh, the most unique, the most uh, lowly owned position yep. of all these guys. So on the top of the list here, we're talking about. The Irishman Connor McKenna for the Brisbane Lions. Um, He was last featured on my team in the team reveal as a cheap defender. A bit of a surprise for me at that point. Yeah, three hundred and seventy thousand. You know, he he went back. I think it was COVID uh, uh, persuaded. He went back to Ireland. (laughs) Yes. um, You know, and and he's back now. So hasn't played uh, footy in a little while, and or at least in the AFL. So he comes in at a, a decent discount. Uh, where he's done, I think, close to 70 in the past. So price at about, uh, what would he be priced at? You know, 370k, 45 points. Yeah, it's
1: hard to see... It's hard to see you kind of losing on McKenna. It's just how much you'll win. I yeah. think is is the thing to discuss. Um, he's the kind of he's the kind of player that you see a team like Brisbane, a team like Brisbane, who haven't just haven't been able to get over that premiership hump. He's the kind of guy that you bring in. He's got a little bit of experience. Okay, he's um, you know obviously um, I'm not quite sure what his age is, but I, he's not uh, he's not super young. Uh, I think he I would might imagine. be around
0: twenty seven. Yeah, so he's kind of right.
1: He's right in that. Um, that mould of coming in to, to hopefully for the Lions build into a Premiership team. The other thing too that I see is um, him playing across halfback and I saw a few tweets that got around. I think the Lions had some match him. Yep. Was it yesterday or the other day? Um, said that he was looking good. He was getting his hands on the footy across half back. So yep. my real point with McHenry is, I just don't think you can lose on him. But um, if you're picking him, you you want to win big, don't you?
0: Yes, yeah. You want to you want to have that decent upside. Now, I guess a player like this is very much, in my opinion, dictated by the rookies available for us in the defensive yeah, line. that's a Good point. And so far, it looks like that might be a line where we are struggling for some decent rookie options. So, yep. say for example, there's a situation where there's only sort of three 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 or four rookie price players that present themselves to us, then instead of having two rookies on your field, you might elect to have one rookie as your D6 and then Conor McKenna as your D5, who you're paying up a little bit more but probably still has the kind of upside of a rookie in terms of his price versus his projected average. I sort of still see him going like that 65 to 70 kind of a range. Yeah. Um, The other question, I guess, for Conor McKenna is you know, is he locked into that best 22? And if you're paying yeah. that kind of a price different to a rookie, you'd absolutely want him to be. Yep. And um, some say that he is, some say he isn't. I'm, I'm not too sure myself. His job um,
1: security, for me, is so interesting because if you look at that Brisbane um, defense over the last couple of years, there's, there's a few big names in there. So we're talking Rich, yeah. we're talking Zorko occasionally, we're talking even up-and-coming guys like Kitty Coleman. I think they're going to be wanting Starsevich, to play in like that a few role. Of those so, guys. Yeah. so yeah, for me, the job security one is a really interesting one. It's something that we'll have to keep an eye on over the preseason, and, and we'll get a vibe from listening to press conferences and reading articles, just how highly the Lions rate him and whether they see him as being a part of their big premiership build. Um, and if he is, then he's a guy that you seriously consider. But like you said, if you're going to pay what was it, three seventy, mm. and then suddenly he gets dropped after a couple of rounds, you're really kicking yourself. You could have just gone a rookie.
0: Yeah, I think I think if the way I'm seeing it, if there if there are the rookies available there, and we feel at least somewhat confident in them, I, I'm. More elected to go that way, yeah. Um, and save just maybe that hundred, hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yep. Spend it somewhere but else. But if you know, he's kind of a player that I am keeping in the back of my mind that if there is that shortage, that he might be one of the guys that we kind of, kind of forced to go in that direction. Yeah. By no means do I think he's going to absolutely take the game away from you if you don't pick him, or you know, catapult you up the rankings if you do pick him. But uh, he's just kind of a name that don't don't forget about him. Yep. He, he is there. He's probably he is uh, decent enough value, but. Like we sort of said it, I think he is very dictated by the rookie availability, especially in that defensive line. Uh, which, Definitely. you know, fingers crossed, we have a few bolters um, as we get closer <laughs> to the preseason games and, and Noah uh, Bolters, Noah Bolters, yeah, <laughs> our man. Uh, so yeah, he is someone there, eight percent owned yes. in fantasy right now. The now, next guy here,
1: also at eight percent,
0: also at eight percent,
1: is the Bont, the now, Bont.
0: Marcus uh, watson I think,
1: I think you're a little higher on the bond than I am. So if I'm pretty you wanna, keen on the bond. Yeah, this year. if you want to lead us off.
0: Yeah, I just think. Well, first of all, he's he's a player that I've always sort of picked him as a guy that by the end of his career, he's if he hasn't won a brown low, <laughs> it's a either. Yeah, either we've we've stuffed up along the voting system somewhere <laughs> or. I don't know, he's been unlucky with with injuries or something like that because Marcus Pontempelli he's he's obviously one of the best players in the competition. Yep. No doubt. In fantasy sense he's always been a guy that kind of is a bit better in real life footy than he is in fantasy. Shines very much in like a super coach format, but yep. he has had stretches in fantasy where he's gone, you know, second half of the season averaging over 120. He's gone for stretches um, you know where he's done close to that 110 mark. Uh, so and and he's a guy that with the departure of Dunkley, I see him getting more of that inside mid-roll. He's a guy that last year was carrying a few little niggles. I think he even missed a game for management midway through the season. And then when he came back after the buy, seemed much more himself, saw the centre bounces increase, and he did put on a stretch after the buy of going 108. Yep. He's priced at 100. So if he can get close to that 110 mark, that, that puts him right around that that sort of lump of players, like the M12s to M87s, and I think that he represents pretty decent value at that point. Uh, a lot of people might be going McRae. Um, yeah. We obviously are keen also on, on Bailey Smith, who yeah. we might touch on later, but Bonson Pelly is someone that also, I think, uh, presents a lot of value this year, and uh, he's, he's definitely in consideration with my team. Yeah, definitely. So let me... Like I said, I'm probably a little less high on the bond,
1: and there's just kind of a couple of reasons that I'm playing with, so I want to kind of run and buy you as well. So, last year, he was an obvious selection because he had that DPP. He was forward. He was always going to be a top-six forward in his average. Yeah. So, my question kind of to you here is, you said you think he might go around that 108 to 110 mark. If you're picking Bontempelli, are you picking him at the start of the season because you think he's going to be a top-eight midfielder? Because if you if he goes at 108, he's... Probably, I think I think you know, 108. It's good enough. Like okay.
0: in terms of like the the blanket after the first maybe three or four midfielders. So last year we had Rory Laird at one hundred and twenty. The next best I, I believe was um, uh, Oliver at one fourteen or one thirteen or something yeah. like that. Brayshaw might have been a one twelve, but then you, you're back at one ten one hundred eight. You know, like it, there's a big clump of players in that sort of range, and and the way I see footy going, and this this is. May or may not be correct. Like with more and more teams electing to play at a faster pace and yep. move the ball on, that Richmond game style gaining popularity. I think that one ten is kind of that's that's your that's your top eight benchmark in yeah, my opinion. You're not going to have um, those ridiculous. Scores you don't need to. You don't need to aim for one fifteen or anything like that. Like one ten gets it done for me. That's that's someone that I'm happy to be a keeper. Um, yeah. And I think that yeah. So I'm not. And again, we, we get so stressed about top eight, top eight, top eight. But really, it's I, I sort of view it as like, if you can score X, if you can score this much, then I'm happy with that. So for me, especially in the first part of the season, if you can go over 105 with as a midfielder, I mean, depending on when you're priced at, I think that that's a quote-unquote keeper. Okay. Um, With the back end of the season, your opportunity to, to do those luxury trades and get to the top top. You yeah, do want to be... maybe keep uh, a spot open for those... Top four mids, so yeah. those guys that can be those one fifteens. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, five to fifteen range of the midfield is, is is a huge blanket. That's
1: true. You'd be doing extremely well to have locked in the top eight midfielders yeah. by you know Most the of, the end of the times So you're not all the top eight. So let me play devil's advocate on another point that you made as well. And a lot of people will agree. So Dunkley departs, he goes to Brisbane, and we kind of go, okay, Bon gets more mid time. Devil's Advocate Bont's in that in that mould of your Dustin Martins, your Petrarchas, those guys that we see, you know, explode out of stoppage and then go forward, yeah. spend time forward, because they are so dangerous. I don't think anyone would argue that Bont's not an elite forward in the competition as well. Do, do you see that as being impactful?
0: That, that is that is the risk with him, and that's why I sort of has said before, like... Yeah he's a better football player than he is an AFL fantasy player because yep. because he is so good, obviously the opposite, opposite um, teams are, are tagging him, putting attention into him. And, and in the past, the the counter for that for Bevo is, okay, let's send him forward. Yep. You know, the tag will be less effective there. And that's still definitely a risk. Yep. Um, and that's why, you know, if you compare him across the formats with him and a super coach, and super coach is a 120 plus guy, uh, in, mm. you know, at his best. Fantasy, he's probably more that 108 110. So... I still think that in the time that he is in the centre, he's good enough to make up for that. It, it is obviously a risk, and yep. that's why he's sort of not a hundred percent lock, and, and okay. maybe not. You know, that's probably why he is eight yeah. percent in fantasy. So, yep. I guess it's it's something to watch in the preseason. Is he? You know, last year, if I pull up, was it was he something like fifty or sixty percent CBAs? Yeah. You know, if it's, he does get back up to like seventy to eighty percent, you know, like a. Like a Patrick Cripps of last yeah. season, then yeah. he is so his, someone that I think that can go memory, really, his, really big.
1: His CBAs when he was down at fifty to sixty last year, but fifty-eight percent. I've me. Previous two years, is that yep. right? Seventy odd, odd. The
0: previous I'll check. Two years, last year, twenty twenty-one, he was seventy-three. Yeah. So. Yep.
1: so Look, I agree. If and that he, year he,
0: won, he averaged one i I'm pretty sure. I'm yeah. So if
1: he goes up into those high seventies, uh, eighties CBA numbers, then he's a guy that you definitely um, should be looking at. Yeah. It's it's always good to, and the reason I play devil's advocate is it's always good to kind of hear both sides. I think sometimes you can get stuck in your drinking the Kool Aid. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like you said, that echo chamber know, yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we always kind of like to yeah, bounce those differing opinions. Yeah, he's as he's well. kind
0: of those guys that like in my team and my structure, he's very. In and out. He's not someone that stays on on my side. Yeah. yeah. So he's a guy that I see value in, but it's not a guy that I see like just. So much value that he has to be in my team. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and I think that a lot of people might view him similarly. So, yep. um, you know, comparing to another player that we'll touch on later, I think he is a similar kind of a guy to uh, someone like a Josh Kelly mm. in that kind of an instance, similar price point. Let's move on Should to the next player. Chad, Chad, the, Chad, the hanging Warner. Chad, uh, Chad Warner. <laughs> Chad. What is that? <laughs> Chad Warner, eight percent own again. He's he is in that kind of. There's a few players clumped in there. Those younger breakout kind of midfielders that. Um, people are definitely drinking the Kool Aid on Chad. Yeah, but. The uh, guy that we won't talk about in this podcast because he is higher owned Tom Green, is kind of another player that kind of you lump into his yeah. uh, grouping as well. Um, another guy that we'll talk about next is also in this kind of a group. So that, that I think he's going into his third season. So he's already yeah. shown great promise. He looks like a jet of a football player. He does. And um, I think
1: people, yeah, I think people see there was a, a Distinct move with Sydney it was sort of around round six, or around seven last year, where Mills got a little bit less midtime, and it, it seemed as though Warner was kind of their CBA. And when I say midtime, I'm talking CBA. So yeah. when Warner round, got
0: round ten, he started he got seventy one percent, and yeah, after that, and
1: it, it coincided with Mills' dip. So that kind yeah. of like I think I spoke on a previous podcast that shows Sydney's intent um, as Warner being that that game breaker, that um, explosive guy from CBAs. And I think we'd all agree that that he is more that than Mills in a yep. lot of ways. So yep. um, Sydney kind of adopting that similar notion to a lot of teams where it's like we need guys who can rip the game apart from a CBA. Yep. Um, and that kind of showed in their intent. So, um, look, I can see Chad Warner having a really great season and it could even be a breakout season. But right now, I just I, he hasn't yes. trained with the boys. It's just he hasn't... Um, yeah. He hasn't been in the team. I don't know. He's, he's one it. of those
0: guys, and it's always a tough one with fantasy. So there's a few different ways you can find value, right? You can find value in a guy that's discounted based on what they've done in the past, yep. like, say, for example, a Jack McRae. Yep. Um, he's obviously had history, and he finds himself at a cheaper price point. Or you can pick those guys that are on the right trajectory, trajectory and, yeah. and try to pick a breakout. Now, historically, yes. those are the harder ones to pick because... Yep. Obviously, we've not seen them do it before for the stretch of the season. They're younger, you know, their body's still, you know, getting uh, stronger and all that sort of thing. So... To me, it's kind of one of those ones that it's a bit riskier. Yeah. At least you don't have that safety net to fall back on of has, like he's done it before. Has Chad um,
1: Warner spent any time at Mitchmond? Or he
0: hasn't. He hasn't as of yet. Yeah. He's a he's a name that I've got. You know, the little star in the, the yes. fancy yeah, format. He's on the he's on the watch list, but yeah. he's never actually cracked the, uh, okay. the 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 main training group. He's kind of <laughs> he's, he's in the twos right now. <laughs> he's in the Scoobies. So, so, but he is someone that I know a lot of people are keen on. Definitely. I just think that based on what he showed us last year. Even though he did see an increase in those CBAs, the scoring didn't actually follow... Um, as much as I would have liked yeah, it to, yeah, there was
1: still some inconsistency there, wasn't there? Even though the CBAs were consistent, that's the scoring right. was still a little inconsistent, and that can be an age thing. Like that, that can. I mean, he's been he's been essentially thrown into that role mid-season as well. Remember, so yeah. you, you're saying to a player round six, okay, now you're going to be a really high CBA guy. So, if that's the way Sydney keep going, then it means that he's going to have spent this whole preseason going, I'm a seventy to eighty percent CBA midfielder. Yeah, so you know, you could see that, uh, I just, for some reason, I just can't hit the select button on him.
0: Yeah, so, uh, just to reference the stat that I was talking about before, averaged 48% CBAs in the first eight games, yeah. and in that time, he averaged 90. After round 10, when he started to move more into the midfield, averaged 72% CBAs, so that's a big jump. That's, yes. you know, 20, what's that, 24% increase in his CBAs, yeah. uh, and he averaged 88. So, he actually lost two points yeah, in see, a higher that's CBA that's role. It's
1: intriguing. How? It's a good stat. Um,
0: um, so, for that reason, it, it it it's hard for me. I think, he'll be better I yeah. think he will be improved just through natural growth it's his third year and things like that but when I haven't seen the evidence that an increase in his CBA correlates with more points it's just hard for me to go on a limb and select him when I've got other options that I think I am feel more confident in but nah. if you do like if you if you just you know the eye test or whatever comes out smashing the preseason then he is a pick that I think um, even if I don't go with him he could be a guy that really takes the season it
1: so, so yeah. yeah the next uh Geez, the next couple of guys we're going to talk about, I might not get a word in. I think this this table might actually start levitating because these next two boys, yeah, we're going to without any hands here. The old no hands trick. Yeah, we have got to run. Oh, hang on to me, laptop. A few mate. guys here.
0: So starting off with a guy, and I think I'll sit back. Okay. The next three players are actually all in my all in my side right yeah. now. So Luke Davies uniak is a guy that contrast to a Chad Warner is a guy that when we did see. The CBA's increase, and he is obviously, I think he's, what is he, he's going to his fifth or fourth season. Um, Check. still a young player though, but when, when he did get an increase in CBA's in the second half of the year, we did see that correlate with an increase in scoring. Yep. So again, to reference the stats, averaged um, 82% for the season, uh, but in the first few rounds, that was closer to sort of 50-60%. After that... Um, right. Going oh, sorry, after he went 82% after the buys. Yep. Uh, and in that time, averaged 106 points. Um, he also has an injured score in round two, bringing his price down. So if you take that one out, he, he, he would have averaged 97 on the season. So I think he's... Pretty much a lock to me to be a hundred guy. Yeah, with the, the I would I think that he has a likely potential to be higher than one hundred and five. Which to me, when you price at ninety three, is a, is a good selection. Uh, the only risk is that because he was so good at the end of last year, perhaps he is now a bit of a tag target over, like a Jai Simkin. But again, I would argue that. Are you really tagging North Melbourne? <laughs> um, yeah, so and that's my point.
1: So he's going into his sixth year, um, and uh, and he's got a high ceiling as well. So he, he yeah. hit a one forty five last year, which is not many guys. Not many guys yeah. can go that high. The thing you said, are you really tagging a guy from North Melbourne? The thing I see some improvement in North Melbourne. I think you know the minute oh, you be better, the yeah. minute you get a coach in, um, like Clarko as well. There's just there's a bit of an aura. I think yeah. I kind of mentioned this. There's a bit and the of the whole aura. team gets a bit more confident. That's it. So yeah. I think that he's going to instill some of that confidence in some of these gun mids. So LDU uh, has been in and out of the Oxlongs. Um, in and out of the Oxlongs. You can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, not as high as you. But there's definitely a chance that I'm picking LDU as well.
0: Yeah. So like you referenced, like that high ceiling. He's had you know had that one forty five, but he's also had you know. Uh, Three, I'm looking at here, three games over 120, you know, a lot of them close to 130, several tons throughout the season. And um, like you said, when the team has nowhere to go but up, a yeah. lot of those floor games, I also find have the ability to just be a little bit higher if your team possesses the footy a bit more. Yeah. Um, I, I think in, in times past, um, Clark does like to maybe not like just chip chip around, but at least control a little bit of that possession, not waste the footy. So yeah. I think that can be good news for for his kind of a scoring. That that'll, that'll uh, be
1: less so this year, I think,
0: but probably less so than the past, but. But again it, when yeah. you're starting from a, a floor of north melbourne of 2022 yeah, the only way is up the only it? way you can go yeah. is up so
1: 11 tons for those 120s so yeah yeah so oh, I think it's um,
0: I think that's a, that's a pretty good stat, and I'm I'm pretty keen on him. I also think he's just uh, from watching. I've I've actually gone back and watched a few North Melbourne games, at least those those little uh, KO minis. You and, tell me uh,
1: you you went back and watched North Melbourne yeah, games in the off season? Hell
0: yeah! When it's when I'm it's like, 37 degrees outside, like I sit in the aircraft. Con- <laughs> well, I'm glad, glad you didn't invite me over, mate. <laughs> Would have put you to sleep. Uh, but no, he's 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 a genuine, really good yeah. player, no, and yeah, I yeah. think he um, there's, passes there's, the eye test too. There's there's no one really threatening his CBA percentage. You know, Jason Horn Francis is out. You yeah. know, don't know what's going on with Taron Thomas, Um, you know, uh, Cunnington's sort of coming back in, but, you know, I don't expect him to come in there. That's not going to lower. Greenwood, uh, uh, sorry, Hugh, yeah, Hugh Greenwood, I don't see him sort of, he might be sort of starting to go on the outer, so it's him and Simpkin, and then the rest I kind of see just filling up the gaps there, so I I do like uh, LDU as a pick. Um, Next guy here, Also 7%. Uh, 7%, Dylan Moore. Um, you referenced him as my love child in the past. I right. did. Watch uh, out. I've obviously talked about him a lot, so I'll, I'll throw it back over to you with okay. all of my gushing over Dylan Moore. Where am going to try and of, level it out. Where I? do you sort of sit on him as a player that, you know, uh, I think the, tweet you, the team you tweeted out before didn't have him on, in your side?
1: Yeah, but then I think when, when I spoke on the podcast, I might have had him, so there were some changes. Yes. There were some changes. Um, Sorry, maybe, of, so,
0: what, he's in and out of your side? Yeah, he's of, in and out, and and...
1: It's worth referencing at this point the just the amount of good kind of Ford options that we have to select mm. there. Um, I think you could you could do a number of different combinations and still be happy with your team in the forward line. Yeah, um, so I'm kind of referencing guys, you know, Taranto, Canelio. And that's
0: probably Dunkley. why he is sort of 7% and, and, and a bit more unique owned because you do have your Connor Roses, your Cornelios, your Tarantos, your that's Dunkleys. It. There's a lot of good options and they're obviously getting the bulk of the ownership. And exactly. And, more you mentioned, and
1: you mentioned that just typically as a rule, people seem to feel safer picking a guy who they know has done it before. So when I go back yeah. through Cornelio's stats, there's something comforting about yep. what he's done before, whereas you said, you mentioned, you know, just before, that exactly. it's harder to pick that yeah. guy on the trajectory. The and and yep. Dylan Moore uh, is potentially on that trajectory. Now, I'd argue that picking the guy on the trajectory can be even more rewarding because less, so. obviously, less people want we'll to do risk it. that Yeah, yeah. The, as the well.
0: ceiling is, is unknown, you know. Like, he he could be, you know, like... Like, I mean, look, they it would not surprise me at all if he comes out and he is 110 average in kind of a play like that is genuinely in the realm of possibility. Do you think Dylan Moore? Um, I don't know if I'd say that he is, but
1: that, that's a possibility. Do you think as a fantasy selection, Dylan Moore suffers from the team he plays for, and then a little bit of his stature and the way he scores? Do you, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. just, just in, I'm just talking about percentage ownership. Mm. Like if if I say to people Stephen Canelio, Dylan Moore, most people are. Th- Know the name canelio They're yeah. it's familiar with it. they do you know what I mean? There's just do you yeah. think he suffers a little bit from that? Or
0: I, I do I do think so in terms of like people's mind. And I yeah. think I think so. The biggest thing, I, the the Hawks thing, is a genuine concern. Like I don't think they're going to be very good. And it's hard to yeah. it's hard to be a you know 100 105 average player in a bottom two side. Yeah. Uh, I think I saw some stats. Uh, I think the um, uh, DC Caterpillars right up on DT Talk uh, It was a really good article that I read that. There's only been I think eight players in the last several years that have been averaging over a hundred um, and I think six of them were defenders uh, because in those sides obviously the balls down there end a lot more yeah. um, so look he he does have an uphill battle in terms of. Being in a what we expect to be a bottom sort of two or three side, um, and and as a guy that the other thing is that people always will bring up that he is he is a good forward and sometimes especially with a young team you need him to play that forward role there, but I, I would argue that if if you're picking the midfield for the Hawthorne Hawks, you're putting John Newcomb in there. He's probably your number one selected in there. Forward. Ward is probably going to get a, a lot of a run through there. I would then argue that Dylan Moore is the next guy that I put into that midfield. Um I know a lot of people, you know, would reference Warpool, they reference Mackenzie, who they drafted this year, they reference um, you know, uh who was the other McDonald that needs to go through there. I think that those guys are more like you sort of thirty to forty percent. Maybe a bit time on the wing, Carl Amon is another guy that maybe gets a mention. I think most recent news I've seen is he will be doing a similar role to what he did in Port. So that's more of that wing time. Yeah. So for me, he's kind of like third in that pecking order. As it stands right now. Now, if it comes out in the preseason and and he is, you know, sort of forward first, midfielder second, yeah, then as high as I am on him, it, it might be a little bit too risky when you do have those other great options to, to go towards.
1: That's one thing that I can see happening as well, yeah. is is you you're a coach. You look at the magnets and you say, "Okay, we've got these guys who can play midfield. Uh, there's too many guys that can play midfield, so we need one of these guys to play forward." And you look at some of those other names you mentioned. You think, "Yeah, they're probably they probably can't play forward." Whereas Moore has proven that he can play forward and play it well too. So yep. could he be a victim of that as well? That he he's played forward and he's done that pretty well, and um, you know he's able to be that like that pressure guy down there. He works hard. He tackles. You know that that could be something that he suffers from as well. I think what what percentage. Do you sort of think of um, Dillamore in terms of how likely he is to start in your team this year?
0: I say he's about fifty-five, forty-five. Okay. So by no means he locked into my side, yeah. but fifty-five percent, I think he's in my team. Yeah. Just because the way that I predict them to come out, I, I do think that he's going to be that fifty to sixty percent CBA guy. Yeah, um, I think that what we saw last year in that role, he is a future midfielder for this Hawthorne team and I would be prioritizing him over a Warpool. I would be prioritizing getting midfield minutes in ahead of a, a McDonald. Um, yeah, Ward, yeah, Newcomb um, are probably in there as well. But those are the three with, with more that I think they're gonna be trying to get a lot of midfield minutes in there together. He's old enough that he's gonna be ready to get in there. He's not gonna be bullied as a as a younger player. Yeah. So I think that his time is now ahead of so maybe those wards and McDonald's and that sort of a thing. Um, You know, there's a lot of talk about him being a potential uh, part of the leadership group, captaincy of this squad, along with like a Sicily. Uh, So I think that that kind of a presence in the midfield with a lot of other younger guys, even though he is like he's 22, like he's not he's not 30 years old or anything like that. So he's he's the future of their club, but he's also mature enough and old enough that that he can he can spend an entire season in the midfield and not worry about his body. So there's a lot of things to. There, But again, I'm not the coach, so I have to sort of go out and, and see what happens in the preseason. So yep. if the evidence is maybe going the other way, then I have to, as much as I like the guy, I, you, I can't, I'm, I'm conscious of not kind of... Because I was very big on um, Heaney last year. I sort of thought, okay, he's going to be in there. I think I didn't start with him, but then traded into him round one because I thought, yeah, this guy's just good. You have to have him in the midfield, but yeah. when the signs are there that he's not going to be there, you've kind of got to, no matter what you think read those signs and, and listen a bit. to that so yep. Yep. same kind of thing for me with more but um, yeah still a genuine option okay, alright let's, let's move, move, move on, on to uh, the other Ford to again same percent ownership Zach Butters another guy I, that uh, um, I prefer margarine I'll be honest <laughs> Yeah, that was, a, that was a good one, actually. I didn't mind that at all. Um, <laughs> i have to think about that for a second. Look, I think
1: the the scenario for me, I don't know if it's just like a neatness thing, but the scenario where you go butters is like you don't go Rosie and you go butters is like a little bit of a point of difference there. I don't know. Could they have both? I don't think I'd feel good about it. Yeah. But maybe, maybe I'm jaded. Like Rosie burnt me. I had butters for a little bit. He kind of... He didn't really Burned set the world well. on fire. Yeah. There's some yeah. injuries there.
0: So you you started last year without Butters. Started with Rosie. Tr- traded, in <laughs> traded in Butters, in Butters and Never then he goes back to in shit. Rosie. Yeah. <laughs> Rosie yeah. went off. So yeah, so that's that's it, tough.
1: It was up and down for the Oxhongs, you could say. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, so right. that's um, look, part of me it, Butters I find really tricky to get a read on. Um, yeah. On the one side, you see the potential. You see, like, compared to someone like a Rosie, if we're just going to compare him to his teammate here. Yeah. When you look at the CBAs, he obviously had fewer CBAs than a, uh, a Rosie, if I just pull up their stats right now. So, Rosie had 50% of the season. Butters had 38%. But, obviously, after that round six game, or round five game, I should say, Rosie went right up into sort of the mid-60s. Yeah, Butters sort of always floated around that 30 to 40 range um, and and nearly scored as well as Rosie did when you look back at the entire season in, yeah. in a fewer CBA roles. So you kind of then think, okay, well, if he does get the same amount of CBAs as uh, a Rosie, maybe his ceiling is higher. Um, then, then a Connor Rosie, he's probably lower in the pecking order in terms of a tag. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you're probably tagging someone like a Wines or a Rosie ahead of a Zach Butters at this stage. So, I don't know, there's, there's still something to be said about Zach Butters. He just, I don't know, the, the confidence in that. <laughs> What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. <laughs> happening, it's it's tough. Yeah, Again.
1: I was gonna say I don't think I'm ballsy enough to select butters and, and the only reason why Rosie's been back in my team this year is because there's the safety net of him being highly owned. So Yeah. If, and I think if, I think his
0: value like Oh like, he is, yeah. yeah.
1: If if Rosie was um you know, more lowly owned. I think I'd be a little bit more nervous about it. I know there's just a bit of a, a safety thing in me there with the the fact that a few more people are on board with him. Uh, yeah, I just don't think I'm ballsy enough to select Butters.
0: Yeah, I, there's something like again, he's kind of like, and again, it depends on your structure. Like, are you having three or four premium fours to start off with? I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sold on I'm pretty sold on a Dunkley and a Toronto as my F one and F two. Yeah. That third and fourth spot are very much up up for. Debate with with me, um, you know. Maybe you do go unique and get a more and a butters in there, or you you sort of side with a Cornelio, uh Rosie sort of train in, in terms of confidence, or you've got one other guy and you just pick one other guy and you have three premium forwards and and do it that way. So I think it's the forward line is as much as it seems like a easy one to select. A lot of the guys there's yeah. there's so many good options that to find the best option is actually quite challenging to me. Um, but, you know, we've seen a uh, ceiling with him. He averaged 107 in the last five games. Yeah. Came out, had a ceiling score of 137. So he's got big ceiling about him. And uh, only had one game last year where he cleared 60% CBAs uh, in round seven. Um, so... Yeah, there's, there's still something alluring to me about Zach I mean, Butters. And if you're picking him, I all the power to you. I yeah. think it could be a great selection. But you can hear um, in our
1: tone of voice. There's just no confidence about it, is there?
0: Yeah. <laughs> but he's definitely still on consideration, but I, I want to see what it looks like in the preseason and see how his body looks and, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and go from there. Yep. All right, let's move on to the next player here who um, I'm going to go on a limb here. I think that of everyone on this list, he is the guy that I'm most confident in. Yeah, and I am starting to see. I mean, unless like something changes with an injury or something like that, I don't necessarily see a world where I don't start with Bailey Smith.
1: Yeah, so you're not you're not scared off at all by the kind of managed load at training. I, I don't think I am. I, I think
0: I think that's getting blown out of proportion. I see a lot of people sort of um, you know labeling him. Yep, interrupted preseason. Yep, he's he's right come mouth. in and and look. It's February 4. He's had an interrupted preseason because they've been managing his load. He's still been doing, he's been at every training session. Like, he yeah. missed maybe a couple of match sims early just because. I reckon you know, he would have been at the social event. Yeah, as he's well, probably, yeah. <laughs> he's getting he's around the best boys. He's around at the social event. So, like, um, I'm not at all writing him off with that. If, if there is a legitimate injury that pops up, then I start to sort of change my mind. But what I've seen so far and how I've read between the lines, that's not a worry for me. Yeah. Um, he's the kind of guy again i called it early he's sort of to me the has the potential to be the Brayshaw of this season just that young like like we're not we're not coming out and, and it's not a bold claim to say that bally smith is a great footballer like this is he's he's proven already that he's an excellent talent and even the fact that we talked about uh, picking a guy on trajectory before and smith kind of constitutes
1: that but if you go back and have a look at what he did in the first period of the last season like he showed he's got an enormous ceiling and we talk about guys that um just love finding the football. Yeah, like, go go watch him play football. Like go back he, yeah, wa- you go back can see it when he plays. Like, like he plays so oh, hard. He, he just hunts it. He yeah. he is willing and able to play high time on grounds uh, yeah. when he's fit. And and I think if I was Bailey Smith, there'd be a little bit of a chip on my shoulder this year as well.
0: I was thinking that this morning before we started recording as well. Like if you're if you're Bailey Smith, you're kind of thinking you know. Uh, I know how good I am as a footballer, mm. but but none of the chatter is about how good he is at football. Yeah. All the chatter is about him and obviously the suspension he had last year and the off field sort of stuff. Mm. And and look, maybe right off sorry, but if if like that, that to me can be used as like a little bit of extra internal motivation and coming out from the get-go, from the start of the season, that first bounce, that first game with a point to prove um, on a team where he maybe is overshadowed by a Bonson Pelly, a McRae, um, but being the youngest of those kind of guys, we've already seen stretches of him being the number one ranked fa- uh, fantasy player. The the you know Dunkley's gone, so it, it just, there's just so many ticks to me that make him an excellent selection. Um, I'm still obviously. Keeping an eye on him, and, and I don't like to use the word lock at this stage, but to me, of everyone on this list, I'm probably the most confident with Bailey Smith. And at 6% owned, he could really, really distinguish yourself from yeah. other teams in the early games if he does start like he started last year. Definitely. Um, and yeah, there's there's big ceiling with, with a player like Bailey Smith.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree
0: more. Uh, On to the next guy here, your boy, I think was in your side last we spoke. Um, Was he in the screenshot? Again, I can't remember because he changed (laughs) the team so often. Yeah,
1: and the team could be different now. You just never know. Josh Um, Kelly. Josh Kelly, yeah. Josh Kelly's a guy that I think he's shown uh, in his history that when he gets CBAs, like, notch it down. Yeah, 115, 120. If he's getting, like, high CBAs. So that's just going to be the question on him. Um, New coach. And then potentially that new game plan that we've we've mentioned many times. Yep. Um, but look, if, if you get CBAs, it's it's like if you're the, you if you're the Giants coach. Getting... Let
0: me talk to you about it this way. If you're the yep. Giants coach and you're coming over and you're thinking about your midfield, yep. who's the first player you put into midfield? Oh, look in my opinion, I'm putting
1: Kelly in there and I mentioned this on a previous yeah. on a previous pod as well. Because I think his stature there's this notion he's he is an elite user, but there's this notion he's like, you know, he's a flowing on yeah. the outside. Yeah. He's a he's, wingman. Get the ball to him on the outside gracefully. and he'll use yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like don't sleep on Josh Kelly as an inside me. Oh because I hundred percent agree. Oh, the guy's electric in there as well. Don't don't be fooled by those skinny pipe cleaner yeah. arms. Like he is an absolute gun no matter where he plays on the field. So for me I'd be picking him in the CBAs, and then I'd be picking him in my fantasy squad. But unfortunately, I'm not coaching the job.
0: It's the same kind of thing like I spoke spoken about with Dylan Moore. Like, um, you know, if 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 he has the role, then he's a gun, he's a jet, and he's a great pick. Yep. It's it's, and again, if I'm the coach of the team, I put him in that role. But yep. you know, obviously, we've got to abide by what the coaches do. Do um, so for me. If if I'm picking that midfield, it's it's Kelly. It's green. Yep. They're my, my, my two that are in there Cogs, a, a lot. Or... Um, you know, Cogs will go in there. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe you have like a Perryman or something rolling there. But Do you the,
1: see Whitfield spending any time in the middle? Not in
0: the centre. I, I, I think he's probably better off half-back or on a wing, yeah. e- either or. Um, just because of his frame, and I don't see him as much of a contested kind of a player. Well, like a he, he looks like a winger, and he actually plays like a winger, in my opinion. Yep. Um, so, so, yeah, I still think he's more of an outside kind of a player. Um, but to me, it's it's Green and it's Kelly. Like they're, they're the midfield. Yeah, um, so Cogs, he is in there, but again, maybe a bit older than those other two. So perhaps he's not in their next premiership winning team. Yeah, so I... maybe you prioritise some of the other guys. But for me, he's in there. But again, it's all about what does the coach do and how pretty, does that affect his
1: numbers? I'd be pretty shocked hey, if they trade out Taranto and Hopper and then Kelly's midfield time doesn't increase. I'd be pretty shocked.
0: Oh, <laughs> I would be pretty shocked too, but... We've I've been shocked stranger, before. Yeah, I've been, been shocked before. Things, so, me? so uh, look, if he is in there, let's say he goes sixty-five percent. Let's yeah. just assume that. Yeah. What do you think he does?
1: If he goes sixty-five percent, what? Yeah, what did he yeah. go, go last year? Was it forties?
0: So I think I think above. Uh, sixty percent. I had he was one hundred and ten in those in well, those kind 60. of a game. Uh, yeah, but last year he averaged, uh, I want to say, forty percent CBA or forty-five. If if he up.
1: goes if he goes sixty-five up to seventy, I'd be locking him in at one ten. Yeah, so and he was forty-seven lock- seven last year. Yeah, I'd be locking him in as a top-eight midfielder if he if he has that role.
0: See, I, I've got he and a Bontempi because they're very closely priced. I have them neck and neck, and, and I have a tough time but p- picking between Bont and Kelly. I find myself leaning towards Bont a little bit more because I feel more confident in his role than I do with Kelly, just because Kelly does seem to get moved around more than a Bont. I think the general opinion out there is Bont is that Brownlow medalist kind of a guy. Kelly, I think, has the potential to be there, but uh, it's probably less... Does Josh, Kelly's,
1: does Josh Kelly's history sway you in any way? The fact that we've seen him go 110 multiple years, we've got a 108 in there. I know we're, we're going back 2017, 2018, 2019. Yeah. He's gone 113, 108, 110.
0: I think, um, ye- does that yeah, sway you at all? kind of. But then again, if we if we reflect back to the changing game style, maybe like you just take a hair off those kind of numbers. You know, Instead of that being a 115, maybe it's a, a 111, 112. Like... I think it's enough for me. Like I said, those two, I'm flip-flopping. And Flip maybe you have both. Like Maybe you, 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 you have both of them in there because I think they both present sort of eight to ten points of upside. Um, which puts them right in that mix of, of top eight mids you're paying on a hundred uh, paying for a price tag of 100 averaging player yeah these like this kind of price range is where I really like to go shopping a lot in in my fantasy teams with the midfielders <laughs> yeah um, because you like to pounce yeah lots like of pounce on them there because like <laughs> there's no world where I see them going under hundred really yeah um, you know yeah. and then there's a world where they're, they're 110 top eight mids so um, pretty safe I like, with some upside I like both those guys but again oh, I'm kind of like fifty-one percent Bont, forty-nine percent Kelly. Are yeah. uh, you maybe the the other way around, or or yeah, more, more so Kelly? I'm more
1: Kelly than Bond. Yeah. Um, can't explain, can't explain it. Like I don't know. There's, there's it's probably like,
0: the tag factor. Like there, there could be, but like you said, when is, it
1: comes down to two players, where essentially you could flip a coin, that there, there is a little bit of gut feel that just kind yeah. of comes into it. Yeah, you can't I, you I, can't help that.
0: I, like if 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 someone out there was like, "Yep, yeah, Kelly's a gun. I love him, and and, and he's going to be in my team." Like. Go for it. Like yeah. I, I wouldn't talk anyone oh, out of that at definitely. all. So I do think he is a, a good point of difference. Moving got, on to uh, the next one here. The only
1: big boy on the list, I think.
0: Yeah. You, you want to take him out. Yeah, I, I didn't to really him want to leave him
1: here but... Grundy, at 5% owned. Um, so you see him being as a, a point of difference if Max plays predominantly forward and Grundy takes most of the rock. Is that your...
0: That's my thinking. And I'm also thinking that... I just think that we've seen Grunt... Like, he's he's got 120 ceiling. Obviously, I don't see him going that. But when you're paying for him priced at 90... What is he priced at? 94. I don't see a whole lot of downside there. Like, could he get... And, and it's more just sort of the comparison with all the other rucks. There's a lot of question marks on a lot of other rucks. You know, Darcy Cameron has had a... Hamstring concern, hamstring scare—I think was the word using the other day, which I don't know what the hell that means.
1: There is so many like hamstring-related. Oh, it's like, words. can we just define scare, the injury, awareness. please? Like,
0: is it—is uh, he aware? Is he—is he—is uh, he torn it? It's like, easier what? to just fool people oh, with like, buzzwords. Like, okay, yes, I know he has a hamstring. He's scared of them, but what has he actually done anyway? Side rant. Um, but like, you know, there's there's an, there was an adductor worry about Tim English, like Roe Marshall. There's the injury. Sorry, the the concern about his role and maybe spending more time forward with a couple of their uh, forward stocks down. Grundy, like... So what do you see his CBA percentage being for Grundy? I think he's probably like that between 65 70% kind of a cba guy so
1: in his in his huge years like he's going 85 to 90 percent cba yeah
0: he has but those huge years has corresponded to 115 120 right
1: 119
0: 123 <laughs> so so okay so he's not i'm ruling that out right okay. i'm not expecting that but but could he still be 100 could he still be 105 so let's say 2020 Maybe. 2021
1: 106 at 80 cbas yeah, like that. accounted for seventy-seven percent of his team's hitouts.
0: So, like, it, like, and 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 perhaps you know, being on a team like a, a Melbourne, you know, he might be going up against like the secondary ruckman a bit more than he probably was back then. You know, with Max Gorn being in the picture. Um, I, just, just, uh, I just, I just, I don't want to rule him out just yet. I know, okay. I, I think I said in the previous podcast he probably can't select either Max or, or Grundy. I don't think you can select Max because of his price tag, but Grundy. Just because of the the, sh- the the shambles that is the the ruck position, yeah. I don't necessarily want to rule him out. Um, so and, if he uh, can get back even to eighty percent of his best, that's still maybe good enough to be sort of a top two or three ruckman.
1: Because at the moment you've pretty much been going Marshall and and Cameron. So let's yeah. say Cameron's does have this injury concern and it kind of goes on and we have we can't select Cameron. Are you then more likely to go to um, Marshall Grundy or Marshall English?
0: So, yes. Yeah, so that's the thing and. Look, I probably at this stage feel more confident with English, but again, I just wanted to bring him to everyone's awareness that a five percent ownership, it, it could be like we've only seen English go with this kind of a pace for a, a smaller period of time. Yeah, um, you know, and even within that season, he, you know, the concussion injuries, issue, yeah. issues, injuries, you know, yeah, it's it's far from like okay, yep, now he's just one hundred and five. Lock him in. A that's lot of what people are talking that way,
1: but I'm Which, with you.
0: It could it could be that. It could be that, but it also might not be. Do you know what I mean? Like it, mm. it it's not. It's far from a certainty, in my opinion. Yep. We know that Grundy is a gun. Um, you know, Max Gorn has had issues already in the preseason. I think he had a, a hamstring scare himself. <laughs> so um, no one you know, is immune. <laughs> so like, say there's a world that you know maybe he's kind of like that mid 90s guy in a dual ruck setup, and then and yep. then all of a sudden Gorn goes down, misses a few weeks, and he goes 110, 115. Um, you know, and he's clearly the number one ruck. So. I just I don't want to rule him out just yet. Um, I'm watching him in the preseason just okay. with the Rucks, and I think that you know, 5% ownership, I think he's still someone that should be on your radar without um, just putting a line through him. Callum That's, Mills, five
1: percent owned. I don't know if I'm going there. I, I think I mentioned him on a previous podcast where I talked about the fact that he's a Swiss army knife and that, I mean, as good as that is as a football player, it's terrible as a fantasy player because it means your coach is tempted to play you in lots of different roles. Um, I'd imagine, he oh, I know his price is he's quite X-y. Yeah, 111 um, he's priced up. Yeah, so he scored well last year. I just, at 4% owned, yes, it could be tempting as a point of difference, but I don't see him... Um, Doing significantly better than what he did last year, and I think for me, there's only downside. There's only opportunity for him to have, have I would, I would, low scores. I would disagree games. that there's
0: only downside. I think I am predicting it to be downside. So, well, so but in
1: the world where you say there's upside, is it just because he gets high CBAs? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so I agree with that. Yeah, don't don't yeah. get me wrong. Okay, if he yeah, gets yeah. high CBAs, then he could go one twenty. Yeah, but. He, he could
0: he could be the number one scoring offensive oh, player. Oh,
1: easy. But I think it's more likely that he gets used in a versatile role. Um, especially, we talked about Chad Warner before. We're um, going to talk about a guy, Errol Goulden, um, next up. So, yeah, for, for me, I just see it going that versatile role. Callum Mills is a consummate professional, and he's not going to um, be soaking it up because he's not getting his CBAs. He just does what the coach requires. And, and that team's going to be hungry coming off a... a Spanking in a grand yes, final, yeah. um, so he's just going to be doing every every single. And thing he's he going to be,
0: and he's going to be the guy, like you know, the captain of the club. Like he's going to be the guy that. that that really takes a lot of that uh, on his head, you know. Yeah, and, I think so. Um, um,
1: so for me, I'm not picking him. Do you have a different opinion there?
0: Look, he hasn't. Uh, I don't think he's, he's ever spent any time in Mitchman at the moment. I just wanted to highlight him here because I know there's a few other, you know, notable, uh, well-credentialed people that have him high on their radar. I've heard a few podcasts with him being mentioned as a good point of difference because of his ceiling, which is legitimately a good a good point. He's got probably yeah. one of the highest ceilings out of any player in the comp. Um, but is it a his, ceiling
1: that you're confident to put a? C on,
0: That's the thing though like because you know each I mean? week to week we've seen already that he does get moved roll to roll, and, and personal experience... He, well, he's the reason why that hat's sitting in yeah, front of Yeah, not him a different other, hat. So, so, look, like maybe there's a bit of an emotional scarring there. <laughs> um, I oh. still think like he's the perfect fantasy player in terms of his inside, his outside, he marks, oh. he tackles. When he's got um, that inside He's probably not someone who gets tagged. Um, so, the, the, the fault is that he's so versatile that he gets moved around. Now, say... We see an injury to a Luke Park, or we see an injury to a Chad Warner, or something like that. My yeah. mind could quickly change if yeah. I think that he is going to be going 65, 70% CBAs, because yeah. then I see him with upside. And, um, you know, then you start to compare him with like a Jack Steele and someone who, even mm. at their price tag, has the ability to go another step. But at the, the way it is right now, I think that the trend of him going fewer CBAs in the second half of the year is more where I see him spending a bit more time on the wing as well as inside because some of the other players on the Sydney team uh, can only be inside, yeah. like your Warners and your Parkers, whereas yeah. he can do both.
1: I feel like even though I'm not advocating for selecting him to start the year, i I still, don't get it twisted, I still think he's a guy that you probably have to have in your team. Come oh, the I, end of I the think year. he'll like be a top, or I thereabouts both, top eight. We both tipped him as a top eight midfielder on a previous podcast, so yep. um, yeah, I'll be looking for a way to get him in, um, but uh, just not starting.
0: Let's move on to another Sydney player, Let's Errol Goulden. Um, might not spend too much time on here because yeah. I don't know if I feel super confident with him, but a 3% owned, um, we've obviously seen the high-scoring pedigree. Again, third-year player. Yeah, um,
1: He's one of those guys that if you picked him, you'd be backing a trajectory. Yeah. Um, there's a trajectory
0: there in CBA's um,
1: end scoring that
0: coincides. Y- you would have to see a decent level of CBAs in the preseason to be yes. confident enough to to lock and load and get him in there. Yeah, and would. even then you might want to wait a round or two to pounce on him in in, in the first few Thanks. weeks of the round. Um Especially because
1: so, he's he's a sort of mid price forward, and yeah, um, he's not
0: super cheap. I think he's in the high eighties. Yeah, or and we like
1: and we have so many opportunities. Yeah, so just wanted to highlight so.
0: that he is three percent owned, does yep. have a ceiling about him, is a young up and coming player. I really thought he was a footballer, but I think for a player like him, you would absolutely need to see high CBAs in the preseason, and, and even then, I don't know if I trust it uh, until after a few games in the in the real stuff. Yeah. Um, the next guy here, Darcy Parish. Well, similar price tag to kind of those uh, yes. Bonson pellys and Josh Kelly's I have them a step ahead just yeah. because I've said before I like I, I said I don't really like the way that Parrish goes about it in terms of more just I don't know if it's an attitude thing but just his style of play in, in terms of being like a, an accumulator first worrying about defense tackling second yeah um, he's a kind of a guy that needs the game style to be on his terms yeah. to score well way. and I don't know I if, if he's going to get that, especially yeah. with with all the chat about Essendon being, um, you know, lacking in that kind of an area,
1: that's it. I've got some parish scars. <laughs> yeah, you do. I, I maintain I'd be driving a high luxury force for Darcy Parish. It's, probably, it's probably, oh, okay, yeah. It's that's probably a bit rich, but <laughs> <laughs> just a little stretch. Oh mate, shoot for the stars. Um, yeah. Oh. 3% owned is still not tempting enough for me to pick Parish. I think if I was picking Parish, I'd have to question, are you just picking Parish as a point of You're difference? You're just picking and, him because he's lowly owned. And the answer yeah. would be yes. Sorry. Look,
0: there is a world, like we've seen obviously stretches of him going big. Um, I just personally have more confidence in some other guys. But again, if, if you were someone that were keen on him regardless, there are signs to say that he is underpriced. Yeah. Um, I, I just personally think that, He's not the kind of player that I typically go for, but if you have a difference of opinions and, and I, there is a world where I do see that working out with someone with selecting Parish. So there's
1: unknowns with it always when a new coach come yeah. comes in. There's unknowns and it can go one. Apparently or two they're ways
0: playing going. a slower brand of footy, like a more controlled brand of footy, which I heard that as well, which I thought was interesting. It's probably really good for a player like Parish who who does you know seagull it up a little bit, likes to rack it up, and um, I, I don't know, know if, if he's getting tagged. Um, as well so I'm
1: not sure it's good for Essendon's chances of winning games I, I agree at, with that as well at finals which is obviously where everyone's you know, eyes go if, yeah. if you're trying to set up a game style that will survive it at a finals level I yeah. just don't see that maybe
0: they're just trying to get to finals I don't know mm-hmm. um, I, I thought that was an interesting report there yeah. and um, it'll be interesting to see how it looks in the preseason but yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes definitely someone to note The next guy here I probably also like a little bit as well maybe a bit more so than a parish but Jai Simkin for the Roos again Con, um, comparing him to a Luke Davis-Uniak, we sort of spoke about LDU sort of taking that bigger step forward in the second half of last year, but Simpkin also took a step forward. I think averaged 103 after the bye. The question is, is with LDU becoming more of like that obvious like guy in their midfield, does Simkin now get released from being that tag target and be able to roam a bit more free and become that kind of... like? McRae, in a way that, like, he, he, he kind of just goes about his business, collects all of his possessions, um, does all the stuff. He's going to be in there a high percentage of CBAs. Um, you know, again, same thing with LDU, Ruse, only where to go is up, new coach, maybe a better game style for him. Is, is he someone that maybe is coming to your calculations at all? I know he hasn't, he's no. scaling a little
1: bit. Yeah. Well, it's just something that I'd have to just be kind of having a bit of a look at it in the preseason as well. So he's, um, you never completely push someone out of your calculations. I yep. think that would be irresponsible. But he's not um, one that I've hit the select button on.
0: A lot of people were onto him last. Oh, I'd say a lot of people, but a few people were onto him last year, expecting him to take that breakout. Literally, averaged the exact same <laughs> yeah. uh, from yeah, the year did. prior. So perhaps we were just a year early. Um, and again, half of that I think was just because the ruse sucked as much as they did. Um, yeah, I, I, I have a little bit of confidence that they're gonna be a bit better this season. Um I, I don't know if they're gonna be a bottom two side. I think they might they're not gonna obviously make the finals, but you know, there could be sort of that mid pack in, that, could in be. that bottom bottom so ten teams.
1: For me to simplify it, um you're not picking both Simkin and LDU, and I'm going LDU.
0: I think I think yeah, you probably do have to oh I mean hmm
1: would you? you would. I think they're you both
0: underpriced. I think they both improve. I just think that I'm seeing. No, I'm probably not picking both, yeah. just because of a structure thing. I, I think you know when you've got to play like a Tom yeah. Mitchell already
1: around that price. So
0: for me, it's LDU. Like, yeah. So like Simkin
1: had 83% CBAs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. His role's not year. different. I think the only upside there is that he's obviously just getting better. The team might get better, and then perhaps he doesn't cop as many tags when he might have coped maybe just a handful throughout the season. Um, yeah. But I think that LDU has a high ceiling to me and and when I'm trying to pick a player, that ceiling is important to me to sort of get yourself off to a good start. Yep. Uh, last couple of guys here, a couple of younger players, and uh, Isaac Cumming. I did mention him in the Premium Underpriced Defenders, one of our first podcasts uh, that we started with, as a guy that, um, when I was researching, I wanted to sort of see... a uh, Bigger difference between when he played with Himmelberg in defence versus Himmelberg in the forwards, and there wasn't that big difference in his average. I think there was only a two-point separation between those those two two things. So um, if I saw a bigger separation with the news of Himmelberg being more in the forwards, I might be able to jump on him a bit more with confidence. Um, he is a guy that, if he has the monopoly of kick-ins and a monopoly of that usage off half-back, say Whitfield's still more on a wing... Himmelberg's up forward. I can see him being close to that sort of top six and, and at 1.2% ownership. Like, that's pretty bloody unique.
1: Yeah. Um, he could be
0: really good. Uh, especially maybe in, in contrast with someone like a Dekos, um, who obviously is a very highly owned player. You might be able to get a bit of a jump with a player like Isaac coming at around a similar price. Yep. Yeah. Um, I just. So
1: he still averaged six kick ins last year. He he did have the monopoly on it before Himmelberg went down there and yep. then he shared it a little bit later. Um but, you know, six six kick ins is still a reasonably high number. Yep. Um for a guy, ninety percent play on percentage there. It, yeah, I, I know he was quite high on um um, Rare's magic's uh, preseason. Guy yeah, not that, not that to dropped. give it away,
0: and not to give away his content there, but he yeah, does yeah. he does rate him a lot. Uh, he does rate him as a good player. So, mm. and when a when a player like Selby comes out and uh, and and speaks, a lot of us should be listening. People, people listen. So, yeah, yeah. Um, look, I, I he hasn't broken into my team much at all this preseason, but he is still on the watch list just because the defenders are a bit of a bit of a dog's breakfast in terms of I can go a lot of different ways yeah. um, in in that back line. So he's still in calculations for me. I think for the most part, I'd, I'd have to impress. He'd have to impress me a lot in the preseason for me to go that way. Yeah. So I don't know if I'd start with him, but he is definitely on my radar and at 1.2% on, uh, there is a world where I think he comes out and is an excellent point of difference for you. If you do start with him. Um, Move on to the last guy. Josh Ward. Josh Ward he's of the also, Hawthorne Hawks.
1: Yeah, so he's also owned at 1.2%. Um, I think I, I may have said it. Um, on an earlier podcast, but I wish with a couple of the rookies from last year, we could just hit the reset button and say, oh, that would be great, uh, wouldn't it? Starting back at 250K or whatever it was. Have another go at your first season. Um, (laughs) Because I think there were a few things that were kind of preventing him from seeing high CBAs last year. Part of that was kind of what was going on with Tom Mitchell and that whole debacle. Um, So if you're picking Josh Ward this year, you're picking him based on the notion that um, he'll play... Uh, high midfield time, and that Hawthorne will will really look to build a midfield around him going into the future. Um, I still I don't have confidence in in that being a certainty just yeah. yet, and uh, and I wouldn't be picking him there.
0: He's just to me he's such an awkward price. Like yeah. his price at seventy one and a half. What do you need him to go to be a worthy pick? Like, in my eyes, you kind of need him to go almost. 95.
1: And that's, and do you that's have a, a big ask. Yeah, for a second-year player it yeah. is. So. It's not
0: out of the realms of possibility. Um, you know, he was touted as a really good scoring junior. Yeah. Um, he put up a decent average. I think he averaged 89 after the buys on a 28% CBA. So, we all expect that to sort of go up to sort of maybe like your 60 to 70% potentially. Yeah. So it's not out of the realms of possibility. I think he is more of that type where you don't necessarily start with him, but if he comes out the first or second week and he's putting up those big scores, you jump on him then trade him in. Um, I know that again if we reference the great man Selby, that's something that he did in the past and hence winning seasons with like a Clayton Oliver. Um, uh, there was another name I can't quite remember who who else it was, but. Um, he didn't start with either of those guys, but after I think it was the second or third round, jumped on them and then was a big reason he was able to get away. So um, it's difficult to really predict the second year breakouts. They don't happen often, but when they do, it, it can be it can be pretty big. Yeah. Um, so Ward, look, he's so awkwardly priced that I don't know if I can fit him in my starting squad. Yeah, but you can't. You know, confidently- say say you pick someone like a. Ldu and and he kind of doesn't work out in those first couple of rounds. Josh Ward goes off to a flyer. You can always drop him down, make a bit of money, pick somewhere else up. So, those kind of a guys, I want to see a bit more to start the season. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that kind of? Strategy? Yeah, I'm
1: saying on Ward. When we when you put it into that context and you say, "Hey, he's valued at seventy one. What do you need him to go?" And you say ninety five. I just can't say with any confidence that he's going to go ninety five. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I can't even even if he starts to. Go big early in the season. He'd have to be going obnoxiously big for me to. So, like, let's say he comes out in the first three rounds and he kind of averages ninety five. I, I still don't know whether yeah. I, you know what yeah. I mean. If he comes he, out, he's he'd have to come out and 110, go one ten. Yeah, then I'd be like, okay, well, this probably just can't Some, be something that I miss. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah
0: and again we referenced no. the Hawthorne Hawks when we are talking about Dylan Moore like same. Ward the they, same they're apply. going to be a bottom bottom sort of side so again it's probably harder to predict that second year breakout on a team that will be probably losing most of their matchups um, yeah. so for that reason I, I think he's a pass but definitely still on the watch list no doubt uh, there'll for those be, early trades
1: no doubt there'll be you know people out there who, who have a difference of opinion on all the guys that we've talked about or, or guys yeah. maybe that we haven't talked about so um, as we always say please feel free to share your thoughts on Twitter or on YouTube um, and, uh, and we'll try and and get back to you. It's always good to hear different yeah. opinions. So.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Let us know what you think down in the comments below, guys. If you um, if you have any questions, drop them down. Give this video a big thumbs up. We're up to I think last I checked, three fifty subscribers. We're on the road to one thousand subs. So <laughs> if you guys have not subscribed, and I think about two thirds of you guys who watch our videos are not subscribed. So if even if those Bit two thirds math. people just jump in, bang, we're we're at that thousand. So yeah. if you're not subscribed, please consider doing so. We would really really appreciate it. Uh, very exciting next podcast coming up we've got a well fingers crossed if nothing changes last second we've got a very exciting guest uh, he's a man of the people some <laughs> might even call him uh, a prince uh, a people's prince so Ooh. stay tuned for that one there guys and uh, we'll catch you guys next time Bye.